Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, what is up? Not much, man. How are you? I am doing good. Having a good day. I'm a little cold, so I'm all dressed up. It is a little cold in Dallas. Yeah. That's from a northerner and a Bermudaner. Yeah, Bermudaner is the uh, approved nomenclature. Bermudian. 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 You got it. No, that's good. It was 37 or something this morning when I walked over to do the 7 a.m. mass. Yeah, I think I saw New Jersey and New York and all those states was like a high of 55. All right. <laughs> Slowly opening. <laughs> you were slow. <laughs> Yeah, for all our listeners, Father Paul was slowly opening a bottle of water with each click opening the cap so slowly instead of just turning and opening it and then just miss his mouth. So please go on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube page, which is St. Anne Catholic Parish, so you can just mm. see all of that take place right in front of your eyes. I feel like that was totally unjustified. I was opening this bottle of water very normally. Normally got the Bucky's mug, so I don't have to deal with this. And then it just totally stopped down, Joey, <laughs> for some reason. But that cannot hold our spirits down because we have no, exciting news. Nothing can. We pulled out your clericalism. Somebody contacted you. We can't say who. They asked to be anonymous. Can't say who. So we'll call him Anonymous John Doe. Anonymous John Doe contacted Father Paul and said, Father Paul, know you and Joey, big sports fans. Big sports fans. They, which we are. I mean. Yeah. Our podcast is basically sports, sports, and two friends from different cultures. So I actually wish that's all we <laughs> talked about instead of faith. But anyway. And said, how would you like two free tickets to the World Series? And, and once again, if you can't... See right now because you're listening. Father Paul was chugging water right then when we were and fist and fist whatever it is pumping pumping my fist. So happy going to the World Series. World Series can't even. So for our listeners who are just into the faith and not the sports part, in case you don't know, (laughs) baseball, (laughs) baseball went into a bubble system, and they chose two National League parks in California, two American League parks, one in Houston, one in Dallas. Arlington, really? Yeah, same thing. The new Globe Life Field, brand new stadium. I'm excited. One billion never, dollar stadium. Was or it something. a billion? It, it was a lot. I'm. I haven't been. Have you? No. Okay. No. And so tonight we get to go. We get to experience Game Six. So we're recording this on Tuesday. We record our podcast on Tuesday because it's <laughs> the day that we can fit a little bit time in between our ministries and things like that. And so game six, game six, like, who are you going for? I think I'm going for the Dodgers. Yeah, um, I think so. It'd be cool to just, say we saw them win it. Yeah, it would. I totally, <laughs> I want them to end it tonight and to be there. Like I've never been to anything like that. I've been to a baseball game before, but never one that, it, <laughs> that even mattered for like the series that they were in, in right. the regular season. Um, so never like, even a playoff game. No, I've been to a playoff game in but. any sport. Nothing that has had any <laughs> importance to it. And you know, from my story, baseball is like number one in my heart. Yeah. And I grew up playing baseball. Grow, grew up a diehard <clears throat> Yankees fan. 
still am. And yes, I know I live in Rangers country and all that. And even though it's not the Yankees, it's not the Rangers for you playing. It's still, I mean, it's the World Series. It's one of those things on a bucket list of saying. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Because I remember back, little short story, tangent. My dad would go into um, lottery pools every year to try to get tickets to the World Series when the Yankees were good in the 90s, in the run of the dynasty. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was so popular to get tickets, you first had to go wait in line at the stadium to almost get like, you would get a ticket pulled, and then they would announce from those tickets, you then had a chance to go online. Double lottery. Yeah, like double lottery. Mm. And one year, he got the chance and purchased tickets to a game six. It never got to a game six. Oh. Yankees, 1998, <laughs> oh, no. they swept the series against the Padres. And so I, I'm not watching, obviously, my favorite team, but I'm just giddy. I'm like a kid, kid at Christmas. Baseball was my first sports love. Really? I don't know Over if I ever golf. told you that. Yeah, I picked up golf later. Um, I'm glad and- you didn't say cricket. I was worried you were going to be like, my first love, cricket. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cricket's like weird baseball. But, yeah, man, I, I've i drifted away from baseball. I think legitimately there's several other sports that I like better now in some ways, but it's my first sports love. Yeah. And, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. And I saw a bunch of Rangers fans tweeting and different pictures from their Instagrams the last few days saying, well, we'll probably never see the Rangers win in this stadium, so I'm going to go and see somebody else. <laughs> right. So it's kind of cool. I, I say the next thing, just to t- toss it out to our listeners, anybody who in a few years when the Super Bowl comes back, we would be happy as well to go to the <laughs> Super Bowl in AT&T Stadium if they would like to donate tickets. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Yeah. I don't care what country I'm in mm. or what. <laughs> yeah. Well, so quick follow-up, although this is not the questions episode. Mm. I want to toss this out for those who don't listen to our questions episode, which I don't know why they wouldn't, but... It's pretty amazing. Favorite ballpark food? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. I really don't care for hot dogs. Like there's very few occasions where I'll eat a hot dog or choose a hot dog. Just in life. In life, number one ballpark food. Number hot one dog. ballpark food. Chili yeah, cheese it's dog. Like, it's not like they grill it and it's not like they boil it. I don't it. know it's, what they do. It's just magically it's there. It's just better. I mean like way better. It goes from my do not consider list to like number one food. That's obviously what I'm getting. Yeah. I, I feel like hot dogs and nachos are up there. The yeah, fake okay. cheese, like no, jalapenos, all of that stuff. And there's just something about like the, the ongoing process of eating the nachos while yeah. you're at the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Try not to drip it on the person in front of you while you're eating it. But also, doesn't Globe Life have the like two-foot hot dog? Don't they have that insane Texas-sized hot dog or something? I, I saw that when I was watching one of the World Series games the other day. Um, on like We've the, the intro, like if that's possible, yes. Yeah, we're doing this it. is a once in a lifetime. We will thing, podcast and... about it next week. <laughs> we will bring you live still feedback. digesting. 
All right. Well, let's get into okay. some of the faith and the now topics. To, and, yeah, that faith stuff. Yeah. So obviously in our world, some big news today. Um, Amy Coney Bryant. Bryant. Sorry. Amy Coney. <laughs> I, was thinking about, I was thinking about, thinking about Kobe. Kobe? <laughs> I, was, I was actually, yes, it's a long story. Don't. Don't bring it up, okay? It's too emotional. Amy Sorry, Coney <laughs> Barrett got sworn in today about as the 103rd Justice of the Supreme Court. Congratulations mm. to her. Congratulations. Great, great job. Great job. Um, cool thing about her, if our listeners don't know, mom of seven, devout Catholic, just amazing things. Mm-hmm. And it really made me stop and think, and I know this is not a political mm. podcast. We're not, no, not making any political platforms, but just... This person who's a mom and followed her dreams and did these amazing things, that's to be celebrated. Yeah. I, I think so. And yeah. on top of it, one issue or topic we've never talked about, and I thought our listeners would appreciate some thoughts and reflection on it, is the topic of Mary. Mm-hmm. So that, Amy, transferred to me thinking about moms and thinking about the ultimate mom, which is Mary. Y'all are just getting a... A sort of glimpse through the through the window into how Joey's mind works. Yeah, exactly. He just said, like, basically, I stream of conscience is, <laughs> I can't say it, stream of consciousness right. uh, this from this step to this step to this step. Really, that's how a lot and, of our podcasts happen. <laughs> Usually, Father Paul sits down and he's like, hey, what did you plan and prepare? And that's what went on in my mind. Yeah, I just have... Like the nothing box up here. There's just nothing going on. And then you <laughs> sit there like, a few seconds, you'll nod and say, okay, All right, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I got sure. a few reflections on it. I think it'll be great. But I want to first start with the topic of Mary because a lot of our listeners are devout Catholic and yeah. some aren't, but a lot are. And a lot know about Mary and why as Catholics we honor her and things like that. I want to start a little bit, though, with a reverse question, which is, I've always been baffled why other religions have such an issue with us honoring Mary. It's not like, as people, they don't care about mothers. Every May, we celebrate moms. We have a day. It's It's not like they're like, yeah, on this day, we hate moms. We actually, you know, only like dads. No, no one celebrates Father's Day. They love Mother's Day, right? (laughs) Not that I'm bitter as a father. Why? And another little side note. It's not even like Martin Luther did not have an issue with anything with Mary. Mm Mm-hmm. So not at the beginning anyway. Right, not at the not at the beginning. Yeah. So why is there this angst as one of the top reasons when we talk to <laughs> people in other faiths that it's like, well, yeah, you guys worship Mary. I'm like, wait, you really don't understand this? We honor Mary just like you honor your mom every May? You know, I don't yeah. know. Can it's, you just speak to that? I, it, it's infuriating and confusing to me. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I can just speak to what I've experienced. Um, I think it's just a really sort of deep-seated misunderstanding, like a basically like a cultural mis- level of misunderstanding um, within Protestantism and maybe in the culture at large. I don't know if, if they care so much, but um, I think it's just a... <laughs> it, I think it started as anti-Catholic polemic, hmm. um, and maybe there was escalation on both sides. It's like, oh, you're going after Mary. Well, you know, 
to emphasize our Catholicism, we're going to sort of promote veneration to Mary even more. And so it could divide like that. But I think like right now, it's just, it's just a huge misunderstanding of what we actually believe. Because when you say it like that, when it's like, of course I'm going to, you know, <laughs> honor my mom, honor my mother, like it's a commandment. Um, and it's also just the most natural thing in the world. And of right. course Jesus did like, yeah. because he's the best son, uh, divine son. And just like from that perspective, from our perspective as Catholics, like it just, it makes so much sense. Like even on the level of like basic common sense, what's the objection? Yeah. So the objection is that, well, we uh, honor her too much, right? Yeah, too much, and that it takes away from the focus on Christ. Um, and I can see, like, you know, that's not made up. Like, you can see Catholics. We've both experienced yeah, it. Um, where that's the case. And that it's also kind of a broader objection against our veneration of the saints in general. Uh, combined, it, and it's like both based in experiencing Catholics who can get kind of superstitious about venerating saints um, and actually sort of treat them as more powerful than God or something, or in somehow opposed uh, like competing powers or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing Catholics act like that can certainly add fuel to the fire, but I think it's just based on a misunderstanding because with the saints, we would be like, this is our family in heaven, and just as we would honor our mother, you know, probably more than anybody else in our family. It's just a natural thing for children to do. Um, like, so we're going to honor Mary as the chief among the saints. Mm. Um, but it's all kind of a family thing. Yeah. Uh, so what's the big deal? Yeah. So when you <clears throat> get questions, and I get a lot from parents yeah. or adults, is Mary the number one or is it the Eucharist that you get questions on as a Catholic? For me, I feel like the top few right now Top four, right? Mary, Eucharist, sexuality questions. Yeah. And I even get a little bit on, yeah, just, I guess Bible. We'll just call it Bible. I get Bible okay. questions. But usually the top three nowadays I get from parents and teens are Mary, Eucharist, sexuality, you know, mm -hmm. whether that be... Uh, transgender stuff, whatever yeah, case, yeah, whatever case, huge, huge issues going on in the world. Is that pretty similar for you with people that ask, or is Eucharist above Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. It kind of depends on the context of the questions, because like when I'm, you know, teaching RCIA or something like helping people who want to become Catholic learn the faith, um, especially if they're coming from a Protestant background, like, there may be a big hang up on some things like Mary or the Eucharist or why do I have to go to confession mm -hmm. um, or purgatory? Where's that in the Bible? Or like those kind of kind of classic right. questions. Um, I would say Mary is the biggest emotional hang up for a lot of people that even after they understand what we believe and why we believe it and they're like, oh, yeah, that that does make total sense. Um, there's still kind of this residual baggage. Um, More than the Eucharist. <clears throat> That's what I see, yeah. More than believing a piece of bread and wine becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. Yeah. That is so fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. Do you think that's because we have mother issues? 
I mean, just, I, I never thought of it like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got you got some. Uh, I don't. My mom's listening. No. <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah. Hi, mom. No, both of our moms I think probably. Bermuda's listen. getting hit by another hurricane right now. Are so. they? Uh, or they did. I've lost it, track. It's I've a, lost track. It's a regular thing. No, I do think <laughs> for myself, I will say that Mary has been somebody instrumental in leading me closer um, to the Father, specifically my relationship with God the Father, because. Um, I don't know, as a young man, I think I have highs and lows with my dad. And mm. I think Mary was able to draw me closer to the Lord in that aspect. And so I'm appreciative of my relationship with Mary. And there's been many occasions and things that um, I just feel like she's, you know, that metaphor we have, she's she's like the moon. She reflects the sun. It reflects the light. Yeah, I was and, just thinking that. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How's your relationship with Mary? Do you have a strong one? Yeah, and it it was a really big deal, especially um, at the beginning of my like reversion. I've talked about this before. In my first year of college, I came back to the faith in a really right. strong way. Um, and I got to know Mary um, as my mother in the faith, whose like sole purpose is to lead me to her son. Um, and yeah, that made, that made a really huge formative impact on the rest of my faith afterwards. Um, and so that's, that's a consistent devotion. I mean, one of the best things, uh, just day in, day out, very small thing is, um, for priests, since we're required to say certain prayers during the day, uh, the very last one you do is you sing a hymn to our lady um, the Salve. Yeah, the Salve, depending on the season, or the Alma Redemptoris Mater, or the Regina Chaley, or the, the one for Lent, Ave Regina Chalorum. Mm. Um, just proving that I know all of them. <laughs> um, but The bishop's watching. And, and I don't want to go... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay. um, don't want to go too far down a tangent, but it's a really beautiful liturgical tangent. Mm. Like There is this thing, we don't do it a ton now, but it's called commemorating a feast day. Where and it, we still have the ability to do it during Lent. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where like basically, there's there's a big liturgical day, but there's also a saint's feast on that day, but not so big that you're actually going to celebrate the feast. So you just kind of make mention of it. You read like one of the prayers, um, mm-hmm. and the structure of that commemoration is actually the same as the structure of this sort of closing night prayer with this hymn to Our Lady and then this little prayer afterwards. Uh, What you're doing is you're commemorating every day as the last thing you do um, in honor of Our Lady, Uh, which I don't know if that makes sense for y'all liturgically, but when that hit me, uh, I was at a monastery when I realized it. Um, It just, it was just a beautiful realization. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Love her mothers. Yeah, um. it's great. So, okay, well, I want to toss out a few things that people bring up. Um, once again, this isn't the question episode, but I feel there are a lot of questions regarding Mary that maybe, I don't know if we can do this because neither one of us is exactly quick with our stories and points, mm. but 
I think there's a bunch of things that come up when Mary comes up and just quick <clears throat> hot takes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'll try. Ready? I'm gonna channel my my Rev Kev right now. He's good at that. So if you don't know who he's talking about, Father uh, Father <clears throat> Kevin Wilwert, who used to be here at St. Anne's. Uh, yeah. One of my venerable for, predecessors. <laughs> was known for his quick homilies and just... And just quick answers. Yeah, uh, quick answers. Quick answers. So we'll channel profound, him. But yeah. All right. So there's four dogmas, in case people don't know, right? <clears throat> um, that she's mother of the church, that she was a perpetual virgin, that she was immaculately conceived, and that she was assumed into heaven. Um, first question. So did she die? Or when she was assumed, was she alive? It's hard to do this. A short answer. Okay, quick answer. I say yes, but it's open for debate. Open for debate. You say yes. She. I say yes. I say say yes to. Wait, what are we saying yes to? That she died or didn't die? Oh, you say yes that she died. I say yes she died. I say I say that she did not die as an act of just care for his mom. She did not experience legitimate theological opinion. I say yes she died because of uh, certain archaeological evidence. Not. Not that there's a body in the tomb, but right. she has a corresponding tomb in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and even archaeologically, it's very it's very clear that it was um, built and designed at the same time as the Holy Sepulcher was carved out of the mountain. Because, mm. okay, it's getting to be a long answer. Go but, for it. Um, so, okay, Jesus was buried in the fresh-cut rock tomb, right? Right. And then rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, tomb is empty. Um, if you go to Jerusalem now and you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, you'll be like, how is this in a quarry? <laughs> um, it seems like it's on its own. It's because Constantine, when he converted to Catholicism in, what was it, like 303? He, no, 309? I knew there was some 330 became, there. Yeah. 330 is when Christianity became the religion of the empire. Mm-hmm. But um, when he converted, he had his workers carve the tomb, the empty tomb of Christ, out of the quarry mm-hmm. and build a church around it. So, like, they chiseled down the whole quarry <laughs> yeah. um, and left the tomb freestanding. Uh, across Jerusalem, down near the, well, it's in the Kidron Valley on the way to the Mount of Olives, um, near the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, but mm-hmm. not quite that far across the valley. There's the the tomb of Mary, and it's under the the what would you say the care of the greek orthodox um Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful place to go and pray but i realized the last time i was there that the the architect it's the same kind of thing it was hollowed or like the mountain Mm. around the the rock around was carved out um and when i did some more research into it i i think i'm right that this was uh, also done under constantine as the empty tomb of our lady Mm. Um, so why though then we're making this really long yeah this is a terrible like yeah this is terrible hot takes but but i have to ask it but why then (laughs) such a significant thing in giving john to mary and john 26 and all Mm -hmm. that john or somebody wouldn't have been around to account that mary you know like that story and then biblically and all of that you know like such sorry a, i was i was distracted by john 26 
John nineteen twenty six. <laughs> okay. Sorry, sorry, I <laughs> misquoted. Like, there are not that many. Yeah, yeah, no, there's John. not. Isn't it twenty one chapters in yeah, John? It um, just paralyzed so, me for a bit, and I didn't. Hear the rest I saw of your you question. confused, and I was like, I, 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 I spoke too soon. John nineteen twenty six. Yeah. Don't you think it would have been accounted for in the same way scripturally, that the story of Jesus, like in the tomb, and they went that honoring Mary in that same way that that would have been recorded somewhere well, I mean there's not a lot about Our Lady in there like she's mentioned very few times and I think part of that is this this uh, like my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord like the right. humility of Our Lady that all she does is reflect God's grace yeah um, so I mean there's a lot of things that you could ask well why wasn't this recorded in the scriptures right why didn't Joseph say any words yeah <laughs> Silent Joseph. Because he's a typical man. <laughs> we right. say nothing. Just working away. Wor- living gives, with gives, two perfect like people. A, yeah, living with two perfect people. Being like, what am I doing here? <laughs> gives a little nod every so often. <laughs> kind of. Mm. I love it. All right. Well, but it is open for debate. It is open for the debate. The church does not make a declaration yeah. on it. So, okay. New- falling asleep. Falling asleep is a biblical idiom for uh, dying, as you see in Acts of the Apostles with Stephen. But... I don't know. Maybe it just means falling asleep. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Next <laughs> short hot take question. Um, oh, for one. <laughs> so did Mary know all about being mother of Jesus would entail essentially, did she know um, that her son was going to suffer, die and be resurrected? And I think they're going back to the scriptures that quote, and she held all these things in her heart. Yeah. Right. Um, hot take. Yes. Right. I'll give you the why, but I'll try and do it fast. Okay. Um, so being immaculately conceived, that means that she is without the stain of original sin, which one of the things about our fallen state, our sinfulness, is that our intellect is clouded, clouded or darkened. Um, like It has an effect on the clarity with which we can see things, on mm. our ability to, to put truths together. Mary didn't have that because she was conceived without stain of original sin, which means that she was smart. <laughs> like, like she had clarity of vision mm-hmm. and she was also steeped in the scriptures. And she also got the message from, uh, Gabriel. Yeah. Right. Um, and so holding all these things in her heart and having clarity of vision, like that song, Mary, did you know, like I, I understand. Mary, did you know? Yeah, it's your baby boy. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save it. <laughs> um, like, of course, of course, you do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> what so, a ridiculous song. So, are Sorry. you okay. saying that you want that song played at your funeral? <laughs> If I'm at your funeral, I, mean, I will speak up and be like, first, I, as Father Paul's friend and fellow podcaster, he mentioned that this song has to be played at his funeral. So meaningful for me. <laughs> I mean, I kind of liked it the first time I heard it. And then actually a friend pointed out to me like, yes, of course she knew. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. that's my answer. Okay. Yes. So when I was at Franciscan, there was a professor there who was working in conjunction with or talking with Rome and trying to make a case for a fifth Marian dogma. Have you heard this? That she was so. media, mediatrix and uh, redemptrix, co redemptrix of yeah. uh, graces. Should there be a fifth dogma? Hot take. 
Man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But no, I I think uh yeah, I'm not like so deep into uh sort of Mariology, like theological studies that have to do with Mary right now to know the current consensus, but what I remember is basically like yeah, everybody believes it, but it's a matter of like is it appropriate to proclaim a dogma as which, which what you're doing is you're not saying that now we believe this. What you're saying is we've always believed this, right? And we're adding clarity. That's what the you that's know, a good that's what the magisterium right does because people think you know, oh all invent. of a sudden we, we're inventing this. No, no, this has always been in existence, and it's just it's making official yeah. what has maybe always we been. see now with clarity. You know, we have new words to put on it. Yep. Or, um. Or maybe we're just making official because now there's a big group saying like, oh, we're not sure about that. And so the Pope has to weigh in or the bishops yeah. have to weigh in. Um, this doesn't seem like a, this seems like it would be, you know, we're going to present this to you uh, for your encouragement and support or something like that, which is, I think, legitimate. But I'm not really sure if that's a good use of uh, the papal office for this. Right. Okay. Next question. You've heard the logic before. Mary had to be um, immaculately conceived so that she could um, carry Jesus, who yeah. was perfect as well, right? right? So why didn't Saint Anne need to be immaculate? I know, conceived? right? How far back do you go? So when you say have to, it um, we have to understand that you're using sort of a necessity term, but it's really a fittingness thing. Like God could have done it another way. Right, and that's true of most everything, um, but he chose to do it this way. Right, and so in terms of fittingness, like, yeah, it's extremely fitting that Our Lady was immaculately conceived in order to be a perfect, like, Ark of the Covenant or a tabernacle um, to house our Lord, and that our Lord would take His humanity from her. Um, which was sinless. Um, it's extremely fitting, and you can keep going with that kind of argument, but but it's not a necessity in the terms of, like, God was bound to do this. Right. Right? Because he's always free. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it would have... Maybe you could make an argument for the fittingness of going back further, but then where do you stop? Um, yeah. And so, like, with this... It, it gets really tricky when, when you start talking about necessity and fittingness because like fittingness is so important because we're dealing with what God has revealed to us. We're not saying how should it be. We're saying this is what he did, mm -hmm. and we're trying to understand that. Like That's what theology is. Yeah. It's taking revelation and trying to make sense of it, trying to understand it so that it's all fitting together. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like it's a tough thing for people to grapple with, though. It is, but it's a really it's a really worthwhile distinction to try and to try and just uh, understand. Yeah, like the difference between necessity and fittingness. Right. Um, yeah, that it's very appropriate that Mary would have been immaculately conceived. It's not necessary in this absolute sense. But what I'm saying yeah. is that God could have done it another way. Right. Since Same he with did the cross, it this way, right? it is absolutely necessary for us to uphold this dogma right. because that's what he did. 
and it's the unanimous voice of tradition in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Ready? Mary and Jesus are sitting at a table, their table in their house. Joseph has already gotten up, left the table. There's one piece of bread. They both go and reach for it. Two perfect people. What's mm. the, what's the outcome? What happens? Because like they're just going to continue to be like, no, you take it. No, you more selfless. What mm-hmm. happens? I say Joseph gets it. <laughs> they both they both remove <laughs> themselves, and he comes back in and just reaches <laughs> in between. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, because uh, we've already run over on time. Real quick, want to toss out for each of us. Somebody who wants to learn more about Mary, what's a good book to encourage them to read? I, I will start. I read a book in college from a professor who taught Mariology at Franciscan, Dr. Mark Miravalli. Um, mm-hmm. He has a good book called The Introduction to Mary. I would highly encourage reading that. Um yeah, I just think that goes over the dogma as well. It it shares how they go back scripturally, all those things. Um, any book you'd recommend on Mary? And the one that jumps to mind as actually being like a really profound book for me, I'm not sure is a great book to recommend to everybody, just because it's <laughs> just because it's uh, it's pretty theological. Mm-hmm. But it's called Mother of the Savior or Mother of Our Redeemer by uh, Father Garagou Lagrange. Um, and it's really beautiful, but it's not, it's not like, it's not an entry level book. Yeah. Um, but that's the one that jumps to mind. Cool. And do you have any favorite Mary to close us out? Any like one you identify with the most? Yeah. I, I wear the miraculous medal. Um, Mm. and so, um, at Rue de Bac in Paris is where the, yeah, that, apparition occurred um yeah i am the yeah i like them all they're all great i mean that's a cop out but i'll take it i've always liked our lady guadalupe we've had interesting conversations on that me and you and yeah i like fatima i oh i should have said lords because i mean lords is awesome i've been to lords and that place is wonderful I would go back in a heartbeat. It's amazing. We'll have to do another uh, podcast on Lords. But enough for today. So on behalf of uh, Joey Scancella, Father Paul Bechter, we will wave to you from TV tonight. What's up? For Game 6 of the World Series. So uh, take care. God bless.